Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi. Welcome back to The Cottage, where we discuss Psalm 82 in John 10 and Jesus' proclamation that he and the Father are one. Amen. Well, we just sang the song, Love Lifted Me, and it's perfect about that first verse where we've been doing a whole series on Jesus walking on the water. And do you remember where we began? I'm always, now you're back. I got somebody to answer questions for me. <laughs> Although she's like, my eyes are closed, you know. Anyway, I'm like, I'm trying to keep my eyes open. Where did we begin when we did the Jesus walking on the water? You don't remember. It's, okay, you have to take somebody out to eat. Well, I guess none of you remember. You have to take me out to eat. It's like, no, I'm right here, I'll tell you. We began in John, remember? We went to John 6. I want to return to John in the context. Now, remember where we left off with Jesus walking on the water. He walked on the water and he proclaimed the divine name. They want to know who he is. And we've been discussing who Jesus is and how him walking on the water is one of the greatest passages in the New Testament where he is describing himself to be God. And we've been discussing those things, and we even carried it through with Wednesday night. And I want you to tie all this now together again. I keep tying these things together and bring you. We're back to John's gospel. We've went around the bend so that we could bring all this in, and now we can see what John is doing. Now, you're all familiar with this passage, I'm sure, John 10.10. But this is often a misread verse or misunderstood verse. How does that sound? It says what? The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I am come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Now, I've taught you who the thief is in this chapter, if you paid attention in previous messages. So who's the thief? Do you remember? Wow, my students fall short. Yes, Gary. Yeah, it's the Pharisees. It's the Jewish leaders. It's who we talked about in Sunday school. So if you weren't here for Sunday school, take someone out that was, but it's the Sanhedrin, the, the, the lead, religious leaders. They're leading the people to the wrong place. Nowhere in this chapter are we talking about Satan, but we are talking about the religious leaders all the way back to John 9.40. He's carrying this argument for them. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto them, Are we blind also? He said, well, you claim you can see, but the greater judgment is upon you because you claim to see, but you can't. You're not seeing to this blind man. You're not seeing to the injustice that's going on. Go back to Psalm 82. They're not seeing the things that the gods in Psalm 82 from Wednesday night were being judged for. They're not seeing. 
So we talked about the 70, we talked about the other gods we're not seeing. Well, even these who replaced them were supposed to see, and they're not seeing either. And so we have this problem. Because those designed to bring about God's kingdom here upon the earth weren't doing it. And we wonder why our world is such a mess today. Well, in Jesus' time, it was a mess. Because they weren't bringing what God wanted. Read Psalm 82. These things are what God desires, and it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening among the nations. And the very ones he called forth to bring about that, the 70 or so, just like Moses had ordained, the Sanhedrin, they weren't seeing to the people either. And he calls them the thief because they're robbing the people of God in their building project where they're taking the last two coins from the widow and they have no, nothing to give to their own parents because it's God's money and he needs this big, humongous construction project done. See, they're, they're not seeing. They're stealing. They're robbing from the people. John 10, 24, then came the Jews, these leaders, round about him and said, how long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Now he's told the disciples who he is when he walked on the water. And we went through all that. Now take that context and now read John 10 once again. Who are you? Tell us plainly. And we know later on, I've already taught you, when the high priest puts him under oath, what he says. I'm the cloud rider from Daniel 7. But here they're asking him early. They're asking him early. What does he say in verse 30? I and my father are one. He makes it plain. You ask me to make it plain? Let me just tell you. Of course, the disciples still don't get this. Now we get it. Because we've already read the rest of the story. Disciples didn't comprehend this. They didn't comprehend him walking on the water until he made himself known to them. And they don't comprehend this. Because later on, Philip's going to ask in John 14, show us the Father. And he says, come on, guys. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And even Thomas is still trying to figure it out in John 14, such that in John 20, when Jesus appears a second time on a second Sunday night, the first Sunday night, Easter Sunday night, he appears to them in the upper room. But then the second Sunday night, he appears and Thomas is there. He says, put your hands. And he says, oh, Lord, my God. Oh, my Lord and my God. You're Lord and you are God. But here he's trying to tell them, you ask me, I'll tell you. This is what he said, plainly. Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. This is blasphemy. No one can say this. There's, we only worship Yahweh's God. Yes. Yes. That's true. Jesus hasn't changed that. But you claim to be Yahweh. Well, I am. And they're ready to stone him. Because he claims to be equal equal to Yahweh. Now we went through that last Sunday. <coughs> last Sunday we went through that, how he is equal. And we even covered it more on Wednesday night, how he is equal to Yahweh and above. John 10, 32 to 33, Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these do you stone me? Then the Jews answered and said, for a good work we stone thee not, 
but for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. You make yourself out to be equal to Yahweh, and you're just a man. That's why we're stoning you. Not for the miracles. Of course, Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18 says, if someone comes and does false miracles and leads you astray, stone them. They, they think he's leading them astray. They're just following what Moses taught them. When someone comes and does miracles and tells you to worship another god, stone them. Don't believe the lying signs. But he's not telling them to worship another god. Now you got to get this. They say you are a man and you're making yourself to be God. Capital G God. This is the context. John 10, 34, Jesus answered and said to them, Is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. Does anybody know where it's written? this is written? Psalm 82. Where were we at Wednesday night? Psalm 82. It all comes together. Are you seeing what's happening here? And he's quoting the law of the prophets. He's quoting the whole... You know, he's not just saying the law as in specifically Moses' words. No, he says, I'm quoting you the scriptures. Now, what did he just say? For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being only a mere man, makest thyself God. What's Jesus' response? The Bible says you are God's. In other words, there's lots, I keep telling you, the Bible teaches there are lots of gods. There are lots of gods out there. If he called them, who? <laughs> who? The, the Holy Ghost wrote Psalm 82. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, this is the judgment. What we did Wednesday night. He had a divine council meeting and he judged them. He pronounced judgment upon them. And the same one who pronounced judgment on the gods then is standing in their midst and he's now pronouncing judgment on them, those 70. Because neither are ye doing Psalm 82, just as the gods didn't. And the same God who judged gods back then is now judging you for the same offense. Because you want to build a big barn. You want to build a big idol. But you're not doing justice. Say ye of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world. Thou blasphemies because I said I am the Son of God. You say I blaspheme because I'm the Son of God. There's sons of God. This is all in your Bible. I've taught you and I will get into this more. There are God's and there's God. There's sons of God and there's the Son of God. He says, I'm just that. There's room for this in your scripture. Don't you study the Bible? Come on, you're Pharisees. Come on, this is what you claim to be experts in the law. Don't you get it? If you're experts in the law and he judged God's and not he, me, <laughs> why would he not judge you? Because you were to replace them, as we talked about in Sunday school, and you were to bring what they did not. 
And Ed got it really good Wednesday night. He nailed it. He understood. We replaced them. And yet they replaced these gods and they're not doing it. So the point here is twofold. Jesus uses Psalm 82 to identify himself as belonging to the divine realm. I'm not a man. You call me a man. I'm not just a man. Number two, Jesus also identifies himself with the Father who belongs to the divine realm. Not only am I not just a man, I'm not just another one of those people. I'm in the judgment seat. And I've come to check. Just the parable. The parable. The owner of the vineyard rents it out to tenants. Sends his messengers and they kill him. Sends his son, they kill the son. And finally the owner comes himself and says, What have you done with this garden, with this vineyard, with the earth? What have you done with it? What have you done with this earth? When we stand before God, we're going to be judged for what we did with this earth that God put his spirit inside, the Holy Ghost inside of it. What did you do with it? The judgment seat of Christ. Christ is our judge. The judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Jesus reminds his detractors that they have, uh, excuse me, that there are other non-human divine beings, which I've taught you. There's other Elohim in their scriptures. They're also the sons of God that belong directly to the Most High. And this is consistent with the fact that the phrase sons of God used in the Hebrew Bible is used of other divine beings. But he's not saying, I'm one of them. I'm even above them. And you want to stone me? Come on. (laughs) It ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. You're going to say, blast me? No, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. So this is what Jesus is doing. It has two effects. It has two effects that he's showing himself again, connected to the non-human divine beings. And secondly, it has the effect that here in John 10, verse 30, and we're getting ready to go deeper into this passage. But Jesus says that the Father is in him and he is in the Father and he and the Father are one. He's connecting himself to the council as a co-regent. Remember in Daniel 7, when the high priest puts him on the oath, he claims to be the other one that shows up at Daniel 7. In heaven, in Daniel 7, in that vision that Daniel has, there's the most high God. And there's all these other lower case G gods. And then who shows up to the meeting late but Jesus, the son of man. Who does the authority go to? To the other gods? No. He doesn't give it to the other gods. In Daniel 7, who does he give it to? I taught you this. He gives it to Jesus. He gives it to the Son of Man. Who then gives it to us as the church? He gives us the church. And back then he gave it to them, the religious leaders. This is the church of Jesus' day. You want to judge me? Who needs to be judged here? You're worried about the Sabbath, and these people need healing. They need life, and you're worried about your rules that can't pick up their mat? What does that got to do with the fact the guy just got touched by God, he picks up his mat, he's going, he's now going to be productive. He can go home now, take care of his mother and father, his wife and children. He's been made right. And you're not doing that. 
You want him to stay on his mat. Keep him down. John 10, 37 and 38. If I do not the works of my father, then believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works. Believe the fruit. Jesus always says, judge the fruit. That you may know and believe that the father is in me and I am in him. He's teaching who he is. They want to judge him. No, they're, they're trying to reverse the roles. You are losing your power and I'm going to give it to others. The power that you had and your big construction project is all going to be tore down and I'm going to give it to the church. Verse 39. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. See, they're still trying to get him. He quotes what we studied Wednesday night to prove to them who he is. And they still want to kill him. There's still the thief, John 10, 10, that comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, and they're not bringing life. That's what they've come to do. We have got to decide when we are going to participate such that everlasting life to do what we talked about this morning during Communion Sunday. To give life to all those out there that are in death. We don't want to be the thief that steals from them the opportunity to experience the God that we know. Because again in Daniel 7, it was given from the Most High God to the Son of Man, and then the Son of Man gave it to us because the gods couldn't do it. Matter of fact, they probably weren't supposed to. Remember, God did that in Genesis 11 because he gave them what they wanted, just like he gave Saul. They wanted the king, I'll give you Saul. Ah, Samuel, give it to him. That's not what I had planned. Even David wanted to build the temple. But it's not your time, David. I'll get the temple there. We got it with Solomon. But still, the temple was not enough. God living in their midst was not enough. Now, we don't have God living in our midst, and we don't need to be in that building over there. We can be in this building, or we can be anywhere, and the Holy Ghost is inside of us. We're the third temple. We're walking around breathing God all over this place. So it doesn't matter if we do it over here or do it over here or do it anywhere. Because wherever we go automatically becomes a sacred space where God can move in the midst just like Jesus. He was a walking, the walking presence of God and wherever he went, the blind saw. Yet these Pharisees could not see. Therefore, the gods in Psalm 82 die just like men and the Pharisees are going to die just like them. But they think the solution is to kill him. And he shows them otherwise. And this is what we're dealing with. He's offering us all of this for us to experience what he wants to give us. If we can see it. It's all packaged in here in John. All in this. He's the great I am. How many times does John say? And Jesus said, I am. Yahweh. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection of life. I am the only way, truth, and life. I am. 
over and over again in seven statements to make sure seven is the number of completions. He wants to make sure you get it of who he is. And all these people that are on the internet that doesn't understand how God spoke to his people back then, they want something else. It's not good enough for them. And that's why I keep trying to show you that the Bible wasn't written to us. It was written for us. It was written to them in a way they got it and knew and understand exactly what God was saying. They understood all this. This is the context. They knew. They knew that what God had expected for the gods to do. And Jesus is saying, you, you think there's no other gods? Well, they know there's other gods. It's written there's other gods. Jesus points that out. There are other gods. But I'm not even them. I'm not claiming to be them. I never said I was them. I said I was him. And I've come to test the fruit. I'm the boss and I'm doing a white glove inspection. And listen, it's dirty, filthy in this place. So clean it up. Now remember, this is the God of mercy. What did I teach you in Acts chapter 6? Many of these Pharisees apparently do get it. In Acts 6, it says many of them were saved. So they do get it. Their eyes do get open. So they get it. They repent. And that's all that we're talking about. All this whole series on a sense, all that talk we talked about repentance. It's all about repenting. It doesn't matter what we've done. It matters that we repent and we lead others in repentance about what we do with the time we have left. What are we doing with the time we have left right now? That's what we have to do. We have to decide if each moment that we have is worth doing. Maybe you don't have money. Maybe you don't have the body you used to have. Maybe you don't have this. Only You have your time. You have your talent. And there's a bunch of people out there that really don't know because they keep turning to Google. And Google is soon going to turn on them. They don't know. I can't wait to bring my wife over here. Somebody asked us she cook American food. I want her to come over and learn from you guys how to do it. Not from Google. I want her to learn how, to, how we do it over here. To, but she already knows. When she puts her hand in the ground, stuff comes out. She already knows that. But no one knows how to do that anymore. But what happens when the shelves are empty? We still can't figure this out. We're, we're talking about a pandemic and you all are crying because there's no toilet paper at, the, at Aldi's. Aldi's ran out of toilet paper. My wife's like, what does that mean? Who cares? Why is that so important? You know, I mean, she didn't get it. She didn't understand it. She will. She'll come over and she'll figure it out. The, they don't know. That's why they're not here. <laughs> Do you get it? That's why they're not here. Jesus is trying to reach these Pharisees. And he's not successful. And he doesn't intend to be successful because he knows the men's heart. But he does get it by Acts chapter 6. Something happens and many of them get it. He's trying to get as many as he can. They figure it out. They put the pieces together. Nicodemus has already come. There are some asking the right questions. 
They're just scared. We have so many people out there that need to know what we know. We have got to let them know. We have got to make sure that we are not robbing them of the opportunity no matter what it is. A guy told me this morning, he said, sorry, I just don't get out much. I said, do you go to the gas station? Do you ever go to the gas station? That's enough. If you go to the gas station, that's enough. Because at the gas station, you can have a divine appointment and meet someone that needs to hear about Jesus. And you can fill them up with the Holy Ghost as long as you fill, they fill up their tank with gas. They can both be filled. That's all it takes for God to cause you to be in the right place at the right time to bring the right word to that person who's there at that station empty and they're looking. Sherlyn knows my aunt Darlene, my mom's sister, that comes here from time to time and she was at the gas station and she was just having a terrible day, couldn't figure things out and someone helped her at the gas station and she will never forget that. A total stranger helped her at the gas station because she had so many other things going on. It may not be that we get everybody saved all the time that we're Billy Graham called to bring in millions. It may be just the fact that we help a fellow Christian at the gas station and bring justice because she just was not able to do what she needed to do having so much on her mind and heart and disturbed and someone helped. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes for us to be willing to hear what God is calling us to do in even the most mundane things, everyday things, to do that and to be there for someone so that love can lift us all up. We sang that song, love lifted me. Everybody can be lifted up. Out of the waters that are sinking them down, they can be lifted up by the love of God. That we know about in Christ Jesus. The love of God. Lift someone up. Because when you lift up that person, you can also lift up Jesus. And everyone comes up and rises with the tide of what God is doing. Yes, the world is waxing worse and worse. That's why they need Jesus more and more. <laughs> it's worse than it ever was. I don't know what's going to happen when my kids go to school. Hey, this world needs Jesus more than they ever have. And Jesus hasn't let us down yet, so it's time to see what Jesus is going to do. Otherwise, he would have already been here and done that, and the trumpet would have sounded, and we'd all already seen him. So therefore, he's still got stuff for us to do. Let us not be like those who stole and robbed from people and robbed from God. Let us be focused on how we can be used by God to be a blessing and bless all the families of the earth, just like Abraham was called to do in Genesis 12. Let's focus on the important things where we can make a meaningful difference in the lives of even the most mundane situations. Someone, just touch them, no matter who they are. Because everybody's in a rat race and nobody likes rats. And everybody's tired of racing. So we need to help everybody to understand the peace of God that passes all understanding. And even misunderstandings. <laughs> all understandings. And give them the love of God in Christ Jesus.
That's what he's asking us to do. Let us not be thieves. We keep blaming Satan for being the thief, but sometimes the thief is closer to home. Sometimes the thief is closer to home. I don't know how often Satan has deceived me. I don't even know if I deal with Satan. I think he's after bigger fish in this world. I probably got some lesser demon after me. But normally, I'm the one that deceives myself more than they are. I'm the one that thinks less of myself. I'm the one that deceives myself and doesn't listen to what Jesus is saying in this passage of who I can be. And I deceive myself in being less than God intended me to be. We can blame it on Satan, but let's just look in the mirror. And let's just see. So the Teresas who are out there broken can walk in this door, not even get in the church, walk in this door. And we can say, hey, we've been praying for you. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because you reached out and touched someone. Let us do that. There are more Teresas out there that need to be touched. They need to know. Let us not steal from them. Let us not be thieves. But let us honor God by blessing God's people, even if it's future and they'll be baptized later on. They're still God's people. It just might be you or someone else. You may be planting the seed, someone else is watering, but somebody's going to harvest that seed. Let us be those people that are actively working the kingdom of God and not robbing the Holy Ghost of a moment to inspire someone who is down. Help us. We all fail. If we prayed, everybody prayed tonight, we all need to repent. We all fall short. Let us repent and let us rise to this occasion that God has called us to. And be those people who will do what the Psalm 82 said was not being done. Help us to live out this life. That's what we want to ask God to do. Help us to live out this life that you've called us to. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for how you're revealing yourself. And we just ask that you would speak to us afresh and anew. It's exciting. You choose to use us. You haven't given up on this earth yet. You're still in the business of changing lives in our lifetime. And we just thank you for that, Father. You've changed our lives and you continue to change mine. You continue to change the people in this room and help us then to go forth and be fruitful and multiply and be a blessing to all the families of the earth in whatever way we can. In the most simplest of acts, thank you for your word tonight. May we live out and not be thieves, but may we live out our lives redeeming the time for the days are evil and not wasting time on senseless things and arguments and things that don't matter, but let us focus on your kingdom and the work of your kingdom and your grace to be filled in this place for people to experience your love and lift them up to heights they've never known because they're so low already. They don't need another foot on their head. They need a hand to lift them up. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.